0: Talk Radio. Good evening everyone. Welcome to the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thadterson, for your help. I just want to wish everyone a happy Sunday. We're in the month of June here in Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, it's just beginning to rain, but the temperatures have been very, very hot. I'm not gonna complain about that whatsoever. I just want to let our uh, listening audience know we really have an exciting guest here tonight with us. Um, she is out of California. I'm really trying to get this thing here going here. Um, her name is Dulcie Sims, and she's with the Chow Chow Cooking Club. But also, she talks about uh, educating people on cannabis cannabis education on cooking with homegrown cannabis, and my daughter and I are very interested in doing that, and I know more and more people are excited about cannabis oil and how to use it, and nutritionally, people are learning um, that it has a lot of health benefits for that. Okay, my computer is acting a little weird here at the time, just as we're getting ready to come on. So bear with me while we try to get this operating. Um, Elsie, I am trying to get you on my mic, your mic to work on my end. There's nothing you're doing on your end. Okay, it's my end. Hopefully we get this set up. Bear with me here for one moment. But I'm, I'm excited about this because the reason why I'm really interested in bringing this to my listening audience, I had a cousin. Who had issues with cancer and how she used cannabis oil to help her body. All right, I think I have you on board. Dulcie, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Oh, I'm hoping we're not having um uh, technical difficulty. Can you hear me, Miss Dulcie? You're not able to hear me on this phone? Okay. Um we're gonna we're gonna take a take a break and I'm gonna give a break and we'll come back on. But what I really wanted to share with you guys about cannabis oil and the health benefits uh regarding family members and what they've gone through, but she's gonna give us more of an educational part because she grows it and she uses it in food and I have other cooking classes. We kinda of share the same passion about educating the next generation on healthy cooking and healthy eating. I see here. All right. Are you there, Dulcie? I
1: am. Can you hear Hello?
0: me? I can. Hello? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Oh, yes, I can. can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh,
2: hear me. I think oh, we're perfect, connected. Perfect,
0: perfect, perfect. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Thank you, God. <laughs> because, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's not working, but it's working. Welcome uh-huh. to my show, I am so grateful, I am very grateful to have you on with your knowledge and skills about cannabis oil, about cooking, because I think you and I share the same passion about educating the next generation, and that's why you guys started the Chow 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 Cooking Club. So without further ado, give us some information about who you are, your passion, and why
1: you're doing this. I'd be glad to do that Marcia and I'd like to thank you for having me on tonight. Um, I'm, I've been a little bit surprised by how much attention my cannabis education classes have gotten but I am <laughs> so enjoying with people from across the country here who have that same philosophy about feeding families to build health mm-hmm. and wealth and well-being and happiness within the families too. And I love your website. I just can't uh, say enough about how wonderfully robust it is and what great information it has for all those really healthy things that we're trying to teach people how to do. So thank you for having me on your show tonight. And I came to you by way of the Cha-Cha Cooking Club. And the Cha-Cha Cooking Club is business. And My little business started almost eight years ago when I returned from a conference that many of the leaders in our community who deal with youth, the YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, our unified school district, uh, people in the community, professionals, even the police went. We had a large contingency that went to Washington, D.C. for a large uh, conference on childhood obesity. So this is eight years ago, and I'd been a PTA mom for 20 years, and I'd worked on issues, but I was really shocked about the statistics that were being presented, not just about uh, children and their weights, but how our environment that we're raising our children in had changed so much, and, uh, and how eating habits had changed to such processed food and getting away from the uh, gardening and growing your own and picking your own fruits and things like that. So when we came back, I'm sitting around with a friend of mine, and I said, you know what? Every parent wants to feed their child well. Every parent wants their kid to be healthy. And I said, so they don't want to be beat up about their eating habits or what they're doing to be made ashamed of whatever their culture is or their eating patterns. But at the same time, I think that we could do something that would be really fun fun and encourage people to eat healthier, more fresh fruits and vegetables, more movement, more you know, excitement and bringing the family together around food that I think would really help. And I said, and and that would be a happy thing to do. So we sat around and uh, said, what should we call it? And we came up with the cha-cha cooking club because we said the cha-cha had to do with cha-cha changes that we were going to. Be making ourselves and helping other people make in their lifestyles. Does that wow, enough? Wow,
0: that is no, that is beautiful because the same format, the same kind of concept came about with my business because my daughter, my youngest one, kept getting warts on her finger, and she was, she was in middle school, and uh, I took her to the doctor, tried to over counter stuff, and um. Nothing worked. And one day she cornered me coming out the kitchen. She said, okay, and she thrust her finger in my face. She said, okay, Mom, I want it cut off. Cut it off. And I said to her, not knowing what I was talking about, I said, oh, we're fighting this the wrong way. We need to fight it from the inside, not the out. I didn't know what the heck I was talking about. But I went in my bedroom that night and found a cassette tape of a lady named Sue Becker. She has a Brett Becker here in Woodstock, Georgia. I don't know how I got the tape, who gave it to me, but the first thing she said on that tape was her daughter had warts on her fingers. And she took her daughter to a doctor who practiced medicine the old way. And the doctor told her to take the girl off of white flour, white sugar, white rice, and increase her vitamin E and get her off of junk food. I said, okay, I can do that. Did that. The warts went away within weeks. Um, My husband, who was alive at the time, the belly fat on him dropped drastically, and I'm thinking, what just happened? And that's when I start learning that our food had been processed. Other than that, I was kind of like everyone else, just busy buying my food, you know, oblivious to all the ingredients and everything else, just whatever's easy, convenient, just picking it up. That was an eye-opening. And then getting a hold of Jeffrey Smith's book called Seed of Deception about Genetically Modified Food, that just blew me out the water. So my goal as a mom and a grandma was to teach the next generation how to eat because we we lost that, you know, because we weren't training and teaching the next generation. So we were eating anything somebody was advertising about on television.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, and
0: other stuff comes in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and all the chronic diseases that we're seeing right now. So I think that we both agree that
0: good yes. food
1: shared with people mm-hmm. you love adds to your health, your well-being, your ability to think and make decisions, and uh, and your happiness and kindness levels too. So
2: oh, I agree with that. Yes. So
1: I, I have a question for you, Marcia. When you when you said, Okay, I'm going to make these changes, what what were some of the you said you're gonna eliminate these things, but but how? What what were some of the first changes that you started making that made a difference for your family?
0: The first thing I started eliminate is the white flour. The white right. flour, white sugar, white rice, and white salt. I got rid of that immediately. That was that was the easiest thing for me to do. And, and so um, did you
2: and
1: that's and the brown rice then and whole grains
0: I learned, or what? I, yes, ma'am. I went to whole grains. I learned, I took a class on how to mill my own wheat into flour, all that kind oh. of stuff. And, and that made a tremendous difference. And, and I was really upset because I had no clue. I trusted the food industry, I trusted the FDA, I trusted these people that said, oh, this is good for you, and they advertised it. And you went, oh, it has this in it and it's supposed to be good for me. You know, I have vitamin D, it has this in it, it's supposed to be good for me. Negative. You know, I've learned that over the years. No, that's not the truth. And the truth can be diluted with artificial something, you know, that's supposed to mimic the vitamin E or vitamin D and that thing uh, or uh, nutrients. And so when I learn about white flour, white sugar, white rice, and start doing my research and reading, oh. My goodness. And I'm thinking, okay, what we need to do is go back to get away from man's table and go back to God's table. So what did that table look like? How did our ancestors right. survive? What did they use? And so, you know, my family, most of my family came from Louisiana, and they were on the farm pretty much. And my grandparents grew their own food and had most of their stuff. And they she, they lived up in the late 80s, and my grandmother lived to be 105 and she just said, I'm tired, I'm ready to go home. And that's what she did. But I want <laughs> the next generation to know, just like you're doing and you guys set these platforms, is that this food has a profound effect on our emotions, right. even our criminal mindset. You know, sugar is the next crack. Cocaine, that's I'm learning, and I'm learning that they knew this food had profound effect on people's behavior as well as their mental state. So I'm like, okay we got to feed the people the right, get our family, start with our families. And that's when we, we you know, started yesterday's kitchen for today.
1: Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And I think that's that's a real good message. I'm always curious how people first start. And a lot of times I hear that it has to do with eliminating as much processed white flour out of your diet as mm-hmm. possible. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, not finding bake and, and stuff like that, and finding, you know, so we try to help people find real easy ways to use those whole grains and, uh, you know, change some things over. And from the looks of your website, it looks like you do some great classes on baking and using whole grains and, and everything as well. That's, that's a real good essential you know, one. I, I think for me it was um, saying that I can't have a meal that doesn't have fresh fruit or fresh vegetables or the closest thing to that in that meal. Yeah. And yes. so, yes. you know, cuz for that breakfast would be, you know, milk or cereal or toast and jam or
2: uh, you know, eggs or mm-hmm.
1: toast or so it was all this heavy and so adding that in made a big difference. And uh yeah, that's made a, a big difference just and that's part of, you know, looking at your plate and saying is half of it fresh and fruit and stuff like that and Whatever, and uh, you know, because I live out here in the country, out here in uh, <laughs> in Lompoc, California, is where I live. It's right on the central coast, lovely wine country, and uh, wow. you know, and food here is just abundance. We are twenty, we are round the clock, uh, year-round farming goes on here, and so there's always wow. uh, excuse, abundance, an abundance. I say I live in abundance of fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. And uh, I'm, I found out once again eight years ago at this conference that there were places called uh, food deserts. And I'm wondering yes. if in Atlanta where you are, if that has been identified and if things are being done to make some changes in that food yes. desert.
0: It has. In a lot of urban cities, you're finding um – uh, community gardens springing up, uh, farmer's markets right. are springing up. We ha- we have a millennium of young people who are taking that mindset to go off the grid, get away, to have gardening. Uh, even in the community where we live here in Atlanta, we're toward the downtown area, a lot of the backyards have gardening, chickens, and goats within the city. Great. <laughs> Yes, so you, you can be walking down the street or listening, in, and you can hear people's chickens or roosters going off. And But it's a good thing because people are waking up. I truly believe um, food prices may be a problem in some areas, and it is in some areas where your food desert because you have a lot of stores that are closing up, like some of the Walmarts in rural areas are closing down. So that's leaving people with limited options. In countries, but then my
1: goal is to
0: make people wake up and say, "Look, I have a huge backyard. Let me grow my own food. Let me have my own chickens." Um, Several years, I was at Steggy University at a farmers' conference speaking on fermented foods because I really like fermented foods, and it was showing some parts of uh, Alabama where they have uh, desert food deserts, and they were saying that these people were in poverty. They, they're poor. And they had little shotgun houses and very little poor houses. And I'm looking, but I saw the land. They saw the house. I said, they got land. They should have chickens. They should have a garden. They should have some seeds. They're not poor. They can have these things. But, see, our mindset has changed and switched where people think I need a grocery store or I need someone to give it to me. and. I don't think we need to change that mindset for the next generation of being able to take care of themselves and know what that looks like and how
1: it's done. Yes, I agree. We started here in, in our area here because we do have a, a high level of uh, students who are on free and reduced lunch programs and a demographic of uh Low income, and this is a high income area, even though we're one of the lowest income. Anyway, we're, we're a good place to live, but we didn't. Same thing, you know, here are people living in dense, kind of dense part of the uh, city, and uh, we had a lot that was donated to us by a nonprofit, and um, I had the opportunity to help put in a community garden there, and it was interesting how the objections to it were overcome during the years that came on. Because I said, if I'm going to come in and do this, I want it to be permanent. And that means that we're going to come in here and we're going to put in an underground irrigation system. We're going to make it permanent. And people looked at me and said, you know what? People will come and steal the copper top faucet. And I said, no, no, they won't, really. This is for their community. They're not going to do this. And so I went and recruited some of the grandmas in the area to have a uh, little garden patches inside the big community garden. And I said, mm-hmm. you can believe that to go in there and mess with their grandma's garden. And sure enough, other than a few zucchinis disappearing every now and then, it turned out to be a very safe environment <laughs> for the community. To-
2: and great. to grow and That's it's great. still
1: growing. It's still huge. I'm just amazed. And, uh, Interesting. So it is. Community gardens. That's a wonderful way to go. I want to go to a big city sometime and see a rooftop garden that's being productive. Yeah. And uh, yeah. working yeah. with the residents. I've read about it. i read it. I never had a chance to visit it. But, but they I, have. I, a, a, I, really I think really they have a garden here in Atlanta. The yeah. yeah. They and, have and a few, and I few of those rooftop gardens here.
2: Oh, you do. I'm sorry. Say
0: that again. Yes, they have that. Yes,
1: ma'am. They have a few of them here in Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. You know, they actually have something yeah. down in Santa Barbara at time, but it was towers. So it was like a hydroponic garden going up and down these towers. And it was using very oh. little space but, but great sunshine. So there's so many ways that people can, you know, grow their own healthy, organic, the foods they like to eat the herbs and, uh, you know, leafy things they like to harvest and so forth. I, I just think it's a fabulous thing to do. And I think that it's not just the eating of the food that you do, but the gardening itself is so um, spiritual, is so good for you to be doing that. Right.
0: Now, with the chop-chop cooking club, how does that go? Now, how many years have you been doing that? And how is your response to the young people being a part of that group?
1: Okay, well, th- we've evolved over the last years. We're out in the community. This is a, a not a large town, uh, small town, and we did uh, classes at our local um, uh, recreation center. But it, um, and so you know, we worked with teenagers there. We go out and do demonstrations for uh, senior citizens, many times who are, who are, you know, cooking for one for the first time or needing to learn to do a few little healthy things that'll help them get all the fiber and everything else they need. So we started doing that. And then I finally said, you know, I can't keep doing these classes because for me it was really tough because I had to cart everything into that kitchen, clean that big uh, commercial kitchen, and then use it for the night and then pick up every teaspoon, every bag of potatoes, everything, and, and take it home with me. So it was just a, a lot of work not to have a great facility to work in. So we kind of evolved out of that. And I partner with a farm in town, and they have a little country store here, and they grow organically. And all during the summer, I'll promote the organic vegetables there and talk to people about putting fresh and local organic foods and fresh fruits and vegetables into their eating so that's one thing that we do is we try to encourage healthy eating we make donations to every charity from empty bowls to the rotary clubs to the uh, rape crisis child protection services to the uh, theater that's being rebuilt you know uh, we try to do as many donations and it's just us uh, doing everything from a homemade tamale night to a big bread basket to a great bottle of wine paired with homemade chocolate. So we try to do a variety of things there. And then, um, so the, that's the food part of it to me now. The second thing that I do is I work with our wine industry to promote a program called Wine and Wisdom, where we bring in a uh, philosopher, who happens to be my husband, but he retired from teaching philosophy after 30 years. and. Uh, he provides a, a wonderful lecture on something that the winemaker is interested in, whether it's uh, happiness or hedonism or Aristotle's "The Good Life." And, and we have a lovely time doing wine and tastings and really um, understanding some of the dynamics of critical thinking and even having a dialogue with people across a table enjoying a little food and wine together and it works it's a lot now, of fun and we get to go to different wineries
0: I, I, I think that is great now how is wine beneficial to our health can wine be beneficial <laughs> to our health
1: absolutely wine i think is a uh,
2: uh, perfect
1: yeah, so thing that <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. you should uh, enjoy in moderation and as we should everything and we're just lucky enough to be in a part of the world that is just excellent. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, too. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the wine industry here. Because we've lived here for over, I think, 25, almost 30 years. And um, when we moved in, there was no wine industry here at all. And it has literally grown up over the last 20 years. And watching how people came together and collaborated, shared equipment, you know, started bottling uh, um, businesses and catering businesses, and the the vineyards that started going up because of the um, area here that received recognition as being a very unique uh, AVA for the wine industry, the Santa Rita Hills. So we have this excellent Pinot that's going on, and it has taken a very long time, I think, for the food in the food uh, outlets in town to catch up. Now we have some uh, nice farm-to-fork that goes along with this great wine, you know, restaurants. We have uh, more opportunity for that. But I think because we didn't have a lot of great places to go out to eat, people became really good cooks. (laughs) So you could, you know, always count on a winemaker dinner where the winemaker and, and friends were really creating these great meals and, and everything else. So it's been so much fun to watch that grow up. And like you said, it's attracted so many young people to the area um, to work in the industry who are very concerned about where their foods are coming from and want to see things happening locally. And what's interesting is that our local community college, of course, teaches um, winemaking, and our local high school ag department actually Takes care of a little vineyard, so you start to see a wow. whole community building up on all this. And, and I'm telling you all of this because we you, you want to talk about the cannabis education piece of it, mm-hmm. and and uh, the whole cha cha cooking club. And I see the building up of the wine industry, and and have been involved professionally with you know economic development and community collaboration and whatever my professional life before i became a a full-time advocate for fresh food and 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 casual lovely dining experiences and uh you know just it's it's uh something that i see as a benefit to our community and our young people here to learn more about and for uh the industry to grow very organically not just nutritionally organically but uh, um, societally organically would that be a way of thinking about it you I know,
0: think so I think it's a good way of saying it yes
1: you know yes. that th- that's what we want. we want an industry that blends in in our community and is normalized and natural or whatever and I think Part of that is what drove me to want to do a class on cannabis. That um, that outreach in the community and always wanting to listen to what people had to say and come back and say, well, we can help with that. Or how about if we do it this way? Or how about if we take this approach to it? And in California, we passed an adult use, uh, recreational piece of legislation that went into effect a year and a half ago in January 2018 and before that we had a very substantial and elaborate medical marijuana program that went on throughout our state Mm -hmm. so now what we're seeing huge change from medical to adult use and Mm -hmm. what's happening and our community my community here we embraced it we said this is coming we're a little community, we want the economic advantages of embracing this new bit of agriculture. Remember, we're ag out here. So Santa Barbara County has, uh, you know, given out more permits and licensing than any other county in the state. And our uh, city has um, proposed some of the most progressive uh, policy on growing your own and uh, participating in the industry here locally. So I said, so you saw the opposition growing, you saw the maybe the myths about what this is going to be. Is it going to be a big miracle? Or, oh, everybody's into the spectacular about it. And it's just let's get just real. Let's learn about the laws. Let's learn about the plant itself. Let's learn about. Uh, you know, the effects and the vocabulary and what has brought us to this point, the history of what has happened with all of this. And so, you know, I I just see it in these huge overview sweeping understanding of cannabis in the history of our country, in the history of healing and uh, and what the future could possibly be with this plant. That's my pitch.
0: And California... California usually takes the lead, and once you guys start something from the west, it just kind of spread across the nation gradually, and people embrace the new changes. And I see here in Georgia, we just passed some law on cannabis oil for children with seizures and having other health issues. And two, I think that may take that on to another level with adults. I think they're suffering some of our veterans from uh, PSD and some of the other people with other health issues. Now, have you witnessing uh, people making some changes with this health changes with this cannabis oil? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I I read over your laws very quickly. And uh, I try to tell people that even though I like, to keep up on what's happening. I'm not a legal expert. I'm not a medical doctor. And, uh, you know, the advice that I give is from personal experience, from my research Mm -hmm. and studying and, um, and just from dialoguing with uh, people who are more involved uh, than, than I have been in the past. So I just want to kind of uh, preface it with all of that. But, in my mind, Marcia, one of our biggest mistakes in, in our society was the uh, demonizing of uh, cannabis uh, and and creating a prohibition on it. And uh, because think of where we would be right now if we had been allowed to research and understand this plant and the miracles of this plant. Right. Because right.
0: but, and well, I think the pharmaceutical always... company had a big. I think the company had a big part of that because of the money and the industry that it was controlling. So they wanted to keep the control. Do you think?
1: I I think that that's a part of it. I think there's a whole variety, of, and following the money is always a good thing to do. But I I okay. really encourage listeners to read about the history of uh, the prohibition and the 1937 marijuana tax act and one of the things that i found in my reading of the history from um you know just be going online and checking books out at the library i'm old school i still check books out i became very interested in named harry j anslinger now anslinger was uh, uh Someone in the uh, government who worked for the, um, what was it, during prohibition, he was part of the people who prosecuted um, illegal alcohol coming into the country and so forth. Now all of a sudden alcohol is legalized and it goes into a whole different category and he becomes the first commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. In 1930, he was 38 years old. 1930, young man, or at at that time, you know, he was in the peak of his career. He takes on a brand new federal bureau that hasn't really decided what it's supposed to do in the world. And he spends 32 years guiding that from 1930 into 1962. And all of those years, he spent demonizing this plant, and he was a very racist person who also saw it mm-hmm. as a way of um, uh, hurting people of color. Uh, wow. And part of, yes. Isn't this a big wow? It, is, it's, it, made me, it gave me chills when I started reading this. And I had to sit down with my son and my husband who have both looked into this more extensively in ways. And we had a long talk about this. And I said, it breaks my heart. To hear about this and he did this to build up his career because before 1930 he had no problem with cannabis and in fact before that throughout the 1800s and into the early 19th the 20th century the 1900s there most people had canna tinctures canna herbal treatments canna cough syrup in their medicine cabinets it was accepted throughout white America and uh, as a a medicinal treatment for these ailments and so forth. And then in 1910 when the Mexican Revolution began, many Mexicans started pouring into our country and they didn't take their cannabis in tinctures, they smoked it. And so when they Okay, and they used the word marijuana more. You know, it came out of, uh, I believe it was, Africa called it, uh, you know, because obviously cannabis came out of Asia, out of Africa, out of other, um, <clears throat> out of India in particular, where it was used extensively in uh, healthcare and so forth. And it was brought to the European, to the Western World by way of a, I believe, an Irish doctor who was in India and came back and wrote about it, and then another doctor who was in India and saw this working and brought it over. So now we're using it. We're using it all the time. But what Anslinger did is he brought in the whole marijuana piece of it and started the myths about how crazy. This drug makes people. And I have to tell you this, too, because this, I just had to go, this is the wow factor to me. I'm reading about him, and not only was he, he very, uh, uh, you know, against people of color, he hated jazz. And I'm going, jazz? oh, my music Jazz. It's like he hated jazz. And so the whole jazz culture that had smoking in it and, and the, the dreaminess of it and everything else. He was out to destroy that. <laughs> anyway, I, I that's, the, that's a little piece of the history because I wanted to blame it on more of the pharmaceuticals and more of this and more of that. But the pharmaceuticals were surprised because many people didn't realize at the time that, I have to take a deep breath, take <laughs> they didn't realize at the time that marijuana was cannabis. And so they didn't understand that what they were using was what they were now um, creating laws and policies that prohibited people from using it and punished people for having it. And law enforcement grew up and just say no and, and the war on drugs began and so forth. And yeah. this man not only you know stayed in our country, but when he had to retire at the age of 70 – he was placed in uh, uh, a position of power through the United Nations in talking to other people to just create more. It just makes me angry because here was somebody who had personal biases, who had self-interest, a job that he wanted to keep, who suppressed all of the scientific evidence from physicians and scientists, and Pharmaceutical companies that said, No, this is really a good thing. Why, why wait a minute? Why are we doing this? We're not seeing that it makes people crazy, we're not seeing that it causes, you know, these issues, these myths that you're building up. But he suppressed that, and he put out, he was in a position to put out propaganda from reefer madness to all the rest of it that uh, really drove the whole cannabis underground. And now to have that be exposed to the light of day, to understand how we got here, let's all take a deep breath and make some really significant changes and stop ruining lives because people are using this and not creating it so that it hurts uh, people unequally within our society.
0: But, you know, I grew up, I'm a baby boomer, you know, the 60s and the 70s. And, you know, the the little commercial, this is your um this is your burn of skillet, and they said this is your brain, they drop the egg in it, and that marijuana uh-huh. leads you to harder drugs. And I remember a friend of mine was telling me that um they would lace marijuana with other drugs to make people crave the other drugs back in the seventies. And then even today you still even here in Georgia you got some of young people going to jail for an ounce of marijuana, or just that Bill Clinton and the Three Strikes your Outlaw have put so many people in prison for years oh for just having just marijuana and stuff like that on them. Yeah, and and now so we see that the cannabis, the oil, has a nutritional benefit for many people's health, and now that, like you said, it's being exposed.
1: Yes, I think that. Not only is uh, the oil, the uh, cannabis oils are used now in ways, the whole plant, the whole plant is so healthy. It's crazy when you start looking into it very seriously, you know, and uh, so the, the future of the plant is, I think that we're going to do more and more research on this and get a better understanding of it because there we we okay so we talked a little bit about the history and the politics and you know legally it seems like in uh Georgia I looked it up online very easy there's a fabulous website called marijuana public uh marijuana policy project mpp.org and normal mm-hmm. has been around 40 50 years now, and they have good information about what the laws are and stuff like that. So uh, what I read in there is that finally it seems like, in and correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, they allowed um, people to start using this can of oil, these oils, and I assume that mm-hmm. means, are they taking it sublingually under their tongue? Or are they just rubbing it on their bodies? What are they allowed to
2: do I? I don't
1: know. They're, uh, they're uh, it's it's illegal to Mr. buy Trump. it anywhere. In Georgia? Yeah. I mean, where where they're, are the uh, you know?
0: Uh, I don't know how they're distributing it, but I know they have recent news and uh, that they, they are allowing families who and they may be purchasing it from their doctors or that some pharmaceutical or some type of medical chain. Because families are getting the oil and putting it on in their children's under their tongue to help with
1: seizures. Right. Perfect. Yes, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, they're, they're going to they're having to order that outside the state to have that shipped in. Uh, okay. okay. Just no. because. Of- and and but I, and I'm just saying that as as you become interested in this and start to grow in your understanding of how beneficial this would be to uh. uh a caregiver, you know, I talk with many caregivers who uh, use the salves, the tinctures, even the smoke with elderly people or with individuals with disabilities or certain chronic uh, conditions uh, that are going on. And and there, um and what I saw was going on in, in your state is yes, you're seeing this opening up, but who is opening up for? Now is the time to make sure that people there are saying this is not only going to be healthy for our bodies, it's going to be healthy for our uh, communities economically. And that mm-hmm. economically is something in the policies that make sure that those communities that have been disadvantaged by the war okay. on drugs receive advantages yeah. to get into the business. And there's there's legislation in California, policy,
2: down in the
1: L.A. area in particular that makes sure that underserved communities, uh, you know, are receiving the economic support and the um, business support that they might need to get into the business. Wow. what, what, What Georgia is looking to do is they're going to allow, what, six cultivators to come into your state. Those cultivators aren't going to be local farmers who are going to say, are you kidding me? I can easily grow two acres here and make a great profit. No, they're going to be big corporate industries that are coming in and preserving a way for local farmers who want to do something organically or want to do something that is more, uh, boutique than mass produced right. you know there you know that's what has to be put into the policy as they keep as they start opening this up in your state which hasn't hasn't built a a strong uh medical uh dispensary system in it yet and mm-hmm. uh, and needs to be built as they're building this industry my uh Call to action there is, is, you know, get yourself on that commission. There are going to be seven people put on that commission. (laughs) What is it called? called The the Georgia Access to Medical Cannabis Commission. (laughs) That's what it is Georgia Access to Medical Cannabis Commission. There'll be seven members. And I truly hope that those seven members are not all lobbyists for the big companies. Let's get some community people.
0: That is some great information because you never think of it. Um, I know Louisiana just passed a law that they're going to be doing it, but they got they set it up that the university, Southern University, I think LSU will be, in their agriculture department will be heading the. Uh, Agriculture uh, of growing cannabis oil, of um, the, the, the growing the marijuana, so they can extract it for the cannabis, and they are so looking for I mean, local farmers, farmers to help in assisting this.
1: I love it. That's that's where it should be. It should be with people who who are local. I mean, that's what we're seeing here as well. I'll be honest with you. So much of our uh, buildings have been bought up and, and many of the cultivation areas are bought up with uh, uh, people coming here who, who are from other countries and people who are coming from other parts of the state, you know, who haven't lived here. And there's a real sense now, that, you know, hey, what about the locals?
0: Yeah. And I will now, tell you, you this, Dan. Lot-
1: um, pardon?
0: What about let me see this a lot of people want to associate crime with this are you seeing an increase in crime in your communities or um I know now say the young people who've had a felony or things like that are that being they're being pushed out of this industry that used to well I used to sell it illegal can I sell it legal even though I have a felony on my record uh how is that set up
1: for people you know so are they that that's eliminated? eliminated are you- that's, that's a tough one, and that's where you've got to see some forgiveness going on, and you've got to see some of those things be changed in and, and that ownership. And, and I just want to say this, too. It's like people say, do you see a lot of crime around this and everything else? You know, The only thing that makes it vulnerable in terms of crime is the fact that the federal government will not recognize it, so you can't put the cash into a bank. So it's a cash-heavy industry. And so that's where a lot of the, the uh, robberies come from and so forth. But, uh, okay, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you just a, a, a quick joke here that I like to say occasionally just because we're getting into some heavy stuff here. It's like if you say you get okay. six guys sitting around smoking, sooner or later they're going to start a fight. If you got six guys sitting around smoking a, a joint, sooner or later they're going to start a yeah. band. You know, So it's like you know, the, the, whole, the whole plan is, is you just got that, didn't you? <laughs> and so it's like you know, yes. when, you become, when you become an advocate, and this is the other thing I have to tell you, is you can't get into this industry if you don't become an advocate for it. If you don't work to change the myths that have been propagated, if you don't work to change people's attitude and to lessen the fear that people have, You know, what's been happening in in California, as I said, since 1996 when we passed the uh, uh, medical marijuana laws, you know, dispensaries, um, you know, have not been the crime infested areas. And yet they have, and and part of it might be because there's always some type of security around it or whatever, you know, but look at, at liquor stores. There's a lot of violence around yeah. liquor stores, convenience stores, yes. late night gas stations, you know? So, but mm-hmm. I haven't read anything. That doesn't mean it's not out there, but I haven't looked into that. But um, several times in this city, when people were fearful of the crime around it, owners of dispensaries, medical marijuana dispensaries, stood up and said, We have never had a problem. You wow. Know, so, wow. Yeah. You know, and and I think wow. it's just part of the, you know, when something like this is available, what what's the problem? You know, it, it's not it's not uh, black market anymore.
0: Right.
1: And because well, a lot of people
0: goes back, to
1: money take
0: the money break. that was I know you're giving me great information, but we want to take a break so you can get, get a drink of water or just kind of take a ease. But I just want to remind our listening audience: you're listening to the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson for your health. And tonight, I just want to remind also our listening audience that um, this program information only is presented here for the purpose of information and education only. It should not be construed as offering medical advice or diagnosis or treatment of any illness or injury condition, prevention of any health problem, the viewer or the listening audience should consult with their licensed physician or their health care practitioner for proper diagnosis or treatment. We're going to share with you the information we've learned, what we're knowing, and you take it from there. We, I, my goal with this show is to bring information so you can be educated. My people perish for lack of knowledge, and so we wanted to give you information that acknowledges you so you can make wise decisions for you and your family. So I just want to say, um, please stay tuned or check us out, um, and we will be back. and she also has a cannabis education class educating us about homegrown cannabis and cooking with it. Um, give us some more information about the people you've seen who have benefited from the cannabis oil because let me tell you back in the I'm a baby boomer and like I said before, I was chicken. Um, I, I didn't even touch the marijuana. I was afraid of it. I think I may have tried once with a friend of mine and I was too, I was kind of like looking over my shoulder, thinking someone's gonna come get me. But because they put that fear of us of using it, it was gonna take you to become a take you to another drug, this and that. Didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. Just afraid of it, you know. And what happened with me and changed my mind a lot about it was my husband experience when he was in Vietnam and coming back. And then, two, I had a cousin, I have a cousin, who was diagnosed with cancer in 2008, lung cancer. And Tammy is a very short, tiny, petite young lady. And um, on, when she was sent home from the hospice, only weighing 40 pounds, 40 pounds and hooked up to uh, IVs, all uh, kinds of tubing. Uh, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. That yeah. breaks my heart. Yes.
0: And she, a friend of hers gave her some marijuana brownies. She was sent home on hospice. He gave her the marijuana brownie. He said, and he, they own, that's when cannabis was in the state of Washington, just said, open it up. And she said, right. Uh, he told her, he said, get better, come see me. She starts sucking on this because she said she was, it was just, she was too weak to do too much of anything, so she would suck on it. She got a little stronger, and she went in, on a walker into his store and they said, You know what? You have cancer. You don't we don't charge people who have cancer, we give it to you. They gave right. people who have cancer the oil. They gave her the oil. Uh uh-huh. She got better. She got healthy and when she went into the doctor for a follow up, he like to fell off his seat. He thought she was deceased. He couldn't believe she was still alive. And she's still alive today. And let me tell you, um, a couple of years back, she went back to smoking again and got cancer yep. on the tongue. And when she got cancer on the tongue, she went back to the cannabis oil. And she's, and they sent her home again, telling her her days is limited. limit, and she's still here. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So this stuff is doing this, and they had demonized it to have everybody fearful of it. But then we're selling them opium, this opium uh, epidemic, we're giving these pills, this uh, medicine that got them so strung out that these young people are dying in the hundreds
1: per day throughout the United States. Okay. All right, I want to jump in on that one because I, I want to
2: say Go something
1: here. kind of scientific, a little scientifically there. And, uh, you know, I think that your friend who you spoke of who uh, – embraced uh, the cannabinoids that are in the oil there, from THC to CBDs, they have identified well over 100 different cannabinoids. And these cannabinoids can connect with the, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Is it endocannabinoid system within our body? And there are these connectors In uh, just about every, our uh, respiratory, our digestive, our uh, nerve system. The only place where there are definitely not cannabinoid connectors is in the deep brain. That's where opioid connectors are. And those, that's why opioids can shut your body down and can there have, cannabis doesn't. You just don't overdose. You don't die from this. You might get a good night's sleep, or you might be a little paranoid for an hour or two, but it isn't going to shut your heart down or your breathing or whatever. So, so that's what is being researched right now. Are you know all these different types of uh, cannabinoids and how different different cannabinoids can help different parts of your health that you want to work on, whether you want to lower your blood pressure, whether you want to get reduced spasms, or like your friend there, she was wasting away to stop the wasting and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, what they're finding out is just uh, fantastic. And I want to say that somebody always says, yeah, but I got really scared or I got really sick. I say that, I understand that, so you should not use it but there isn't a a drug or a food or just about anything we consume that there isn't a certain percentage of people who are allergic or not going to make it's not going to help them at all and and that's fine and we can recognize that and say not for me and that's fine but for many people it is such great relief from chronic pain from ptsd from uh, sleeplessness uh, You know, the spasticity, Um, you know, and you ask if I've had personal experiences of of people being well, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I had a, a group of friends, and in California, under the medical marijuana model, you're allowed to have a little collective. So we had a little collective where we'd get together and we'd make some goodies and share those goodies. And these were people who were um, um, very, very sick. And, uh, you know, one of them has died. But this was such a relief from the pain of the cancer, from the effects of the chemotherapy many times, and sometimes just because it it makes you feel good and silly, you know. And uh, And so... <laughs> about how people get it into their system. What you're talking wow. about, the Georgia there, is that people are allowed to use the oil. And so my understanding is, is what you're talking about is the sublingual dropping. And, it, and it's for the, the CBD or Charlotte um, clone or one of the ones to help reduce uh, um, uh, seizures to help reduce uh, seizures and so forth, and spasticity. And I think it's almost a miracle when you see how it works in those situations. I don't know exactly what it connects with or how that works, but I have absolutely uh, seen it on TV. And I think that uh, several years ago, Sanjay Gupta, who's our national yeah. doctor or whatever, Sanjay Gupta yeah. came out, and he did a three-part series on weed and the first one he did, yeah. he looks into the case and he says I was wrong. And he started, wow. uh, he, he was the one who really publicized the, the, the couple in, in Colorado who got the very low, very low THC and high CBD ointment for their daughter. And we literally saw her go from just seizure to seizure to seizure to relaxation. To the point now, she's actually learning language and the seizures are so, so wow. induced and so forth. And that's why parents are just going, I'll, I'll try that. I've tried everything else. And right. and when you use right. a CBD oil, and there's usually a mixture of THC and CBD because these work together. And usually the CBD will, you don't, it's the THC that gives you the uh, psycho um, effect. Uh, and uh so you want to make sure that that uh C B D has a certain percentage of C B D and THC. And I'm sorry, I don't remember those numbers, but once again there's a fabulous website that is educating people on this very, very well called the one minute cannabis dot com. One minute. One minute cannabis. Cannabis. Yeah, dot com. And that's a, a fabulous website, particularly in terms of the C B D oils that you're talking about and uh and their work that's done there. But I I think that not just the oils but edibles where people, you know, take uh, the flour, not just the oil but the flour from the plant, uh the bud really and make and yeah, and, and make butter products or something like that. Yeah. Uh, now.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Wait a minute. Help me with, with the flour. So the leaf itself can dry out, and then you mill that down into a, a powdery, flowery type of um, substance.
1: Yes, you could actually make it into kind of a flour and bake it into something that that could be done. Wow. Um, basically, here I, I'll, I'll back up. I'll just I'll, I'll start where. Uh, that makes sense here is that is that, you know, here's this plant that grows. And as the plant grows, it is a flowering plant. And, uh, you know, you prune it back a little bit and it comes out and it has these beautiful buds on it. And it, you can go online and you can get lots of pictures of what beautiful buds look like. Nice and crystally, mm-hmm. And the crystalli are the, um, uh, what is it, the terpenes, the little terpenes and tritones that are the gland heads on there. So that's what gets people high, or is that part of the plant there. And then around that are, are other leaves, fan leaves, the stem, the roots, all of this. Even those parts can have some THC in it and can be used in um, creating extractions or creating... Um, other products with it. But usually when you're talking about using cannabis, you're talking about the flowers, the bud tops. And, uh, and the bud tops or the sweet leaves that are right around there are what people usually use when they are uh, making an edible that you would be able to, to consume in a brownie or uh, something else. And so basically what you're going to try to do is to release that uh, THC to release those CBDS to release all those um, cannabinoids into some type of fat, which would be butter or olive oil mm-hmm. or coconut oil or something like that, or peanut butter, or or to um, release it into wow. an alcohol, which is what you're dropping under your tongue would be an alcohol. Uh, they would adhere those cannabinoids would adhere to that and then that's what you would cook with and and literally you would make a nice stick of can of butter that has um a potency of a, a certain level to it because you test it yourself and you know how much there is in there and you kind of have an idea of what's going to do it, and then we always say just start really small
0: <laughs> and slow. Yeah, but ask you how much, how much, how many drops do I can do to, to pound up a, for a pound of butter or two pounds of butter. <laughs> <laughs> then to make people, you're gonna feel something then with that. Oh, or yeah.
1: just a few drops or how? Well, you know, it, it would be like you, you, you're talking about putting the drops like uh, with some of the cancer patients who I've known. What they and they're they're <laughs> wasting and they can't. They can't eat anything. They can't keep anything down many times, right? After chemotherapy and so forth, <clears throat> and so um, the wife said, "I said, well, what did you do?" And she said, "Well, I made him some little broth, a really thin broth, and just put a teaspoon of that butter into the broth that she had made." Wow. Okay. He could that in it, and then he and he he could start taking solid foods, and this this was also, you know. Um, just whenever there's a a situation where the patient is losing so much food and and even at end of life, when uh, parents are drifting away and they're wasting away basically or something like that, there's the sweetest story that I read online
0: uh,
1: called one, the one last one last good meal where everybody was so concerned about their mother and the nursing home who wasn't eating and was just literally wasting away. And, uh, one of her brothers, an uncle, the kid's uncle, snuck in a, a joint for her to smoke, and so they wheeled her out into this nice, so they her out into this nice little garden, and they all kind of smoked this little joint, the the grandkids and the uncle or whatever, and oh my goodness, did they have a wonderful time! You know, they laughed and they talked and she ate and she could taste it and she enjoyed it and everything, you know, stayed down. And so the kids <laughs> said, Can, we're going to go get some more. We're going to go get some more for you, Grandma. And she said, no, no, I don't want anybody to get in trouble. And I think that's what's really kept people from using this as a tool to of comfort course. people, pain and nausea is that people are going to get, you know, you're going to get put in jail. Oh. You're going to get with... with uh you know, my, um, and, and I'll tell you a very personal story, you know. Well, no, I won't. I'll save that for later, but just knowing that many times women who are growing in their gardens, who are um, using it in their uh, cooking in some way or another, they get very afraid that they'll take their children away. And that's always the threat, you know. I think more men yes. are worried that they're going to get their or in their house taken away, but for moms, it was always, we're going to take your kids away from you. And you're like going, what? Stop that. You know, so we've just created all this fear about using it when it is sometimes just the most serene, uh, serene chemical that you could possibly put into your body. So I I just uh, am amazed. So anyway, so that's how you make it. There's a certain recipe that you use, um, and that's available in in several books or online as well. Um, I think that in in Georgia, the situation is going to be, I don't know how you'd get your hands on any uh, fresh organic marijuana, cannabis or anything. So, you know, here in California, and I'll tell you what we've done here, I talked a little bit about the fact that, California has gone from just the medical to a um, adult use as well. Some medical patients are still receiving higher dosages that they need to uh, for their ill or chronic problems there. But um, you know, there. So now there's dispensaries coming up where we can easily go and buy what we need if we wanted to cook with it. And every and the state says that you can have up to six plants that you're allowed to grow yourself, and that was wow that the medical marijuana was as well. You could grow six plants, and there's there's rules, and each municipality. So it gets really complicated because each municipality. Our city has certain rules. The county we're in has different rules. The city to our south has a different rules, and the city to the north
2: has different rules.
1: So you got to know what's happening in your community so if you want to, you know, right. do it right. Right. But in our community, you are allowed to grow six plants, and uh, you can grow them outdoors if you have a secure location and uh, se- uh, secure, and it, or you can grow it inside your home. And there are just many, many ways of doing that, products out there,
2: of, uh, now, you know, being um, able to –
1: so then you have, have your own hospitals actually
0: Wait, wait. Let, I have one question for you. Now do the hospitals that like the cancer uh the Cancer Institute of America and things like that, are they getting on board with this cannabis oil for treating their patient or do these patients have to outsource this or find it outside of the their doctors and the cancer
1: institute? You know, I truly do not know the answer to that. I I really, as I said, I've tried to follow as much as I can about what's going on. I know that many doctors have lobbied for quite a while. And also the nurses groups, the women, well, not just women, but the men and women who uh, serve as nurses are many times the ones who are helping to manage pain, patients' pain and manage other things. They are the ones who push very heavily to make sure that this could be part of it, and even the Veterans Association uh, Administration—I'm sorry, Veterans Administration—has come out, you know, saying that they recognize that this is a treatment for PTSD.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. And all
2: there's you know, all
0: this the feel-
1: I'm sorry.
0: Because Go ahead. my thing is, this thing is helping with pain. These people have no addiction to this, uh, except for, you know, the addiction is not causing them, like you said, to commit suicide or to die from it. <laughs> you think they would start looking at it as a replacement for the opium epidemic and other things for pain for people?
1: Yes. And I think that if you looked into it, you would see that opioid deaths go down when marijuana is allowed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's because. Pain. You know, people are doing opioids and getting off of opioids. Pain. And, and, and many times people say, um, you know, cannabis, marijuana is a gateway drug. And so the response yeah, to that is we no. Talk. Yeah, yeah you, you want to say no. Talk. I believe cannabis is an exit drug. It gets people off of opioids. It takes them away from the synthetic medicine that is being sold to us, the big pharma, you know, and has been, uh, we've been lied to about its addictive qualities and so forth. You know, it's time to get people off of that and put them on something that is natural, that is, you know, a plant that is grown, that can be grown completely Mm -hmm. organically no oh, pesticides, no pollutants, no anything in it that can connect with our body in a way that uh, is uh, just a miracle many times. Right, right, so, right. But, so
0: that's what uh, uh, so, I'm so I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I
2: was
1: just going to say. No, go ahead you know, your statement. I, Oh, I was just going to talk about, you know, more people who have used it and and how it has helped people in ways. Okay. Yes, share that. Share with Uh, us that. Yeah, you know, down in um, Beverly Hills, I believe it's the uh, marijuana millionaire woman who was a film producer who got thyroid cancer and was, was like your friend, was dying of this cancer and wasting away from the chemotherapy and uh, was introduced to cannabis products, which turned it around, saved her life. And now she, she opened up a company of doing organic uh, catering using cannabis. <laughs> wow. I know. Wow. And, and so, you know, I, I truly think that sooner or later, you know, now you're seeing here in California at least CBD um, in so many different products that you're going to start seeing that pop up all over the place. Um, and, uh, and so people are, are, you know, being able to access it that way or another. But most of the people who uh, are, you know, l- let me back up a little bit. You know, the, I, as I said, I try to focus on the home stuff. What are you allowed to do at home? If you can grow one plant, if you can grow two plants, you can harvest it, you have enough to make yourself You know, something that's going to last a long time and be very healing. You know, um, if you go and uh, purchase it somewhere and be able to bring that home, you know, to find out what to do with it, once again, is if you love to cook, you'll cook with this plant. And there's a a couple different little tricks that you can do so that you make sure that uh, the potency that you want remains as high as you want it to be or, or anything like that.
0: So, do you think they're going to have restaurants opening in California? Seeing that you guys are the lead and everything, pretty much, on that sells these type of
1: foods to to the general public. Yes. Yes, because you can go right now. You could go into a dispensary, and you could buy uh, you can buy edibles, all different kinds that are are um, from chocolates to cookies to candies, lozenges, um, you know, you can buy all sorts of salves that people can uh, rub on them. And when I talk about doing home cooking and stuff like that, we talk about making those salves, about making those tinctures. What are people paying for tinctures when they get one of those prescriptions filled? Do
2: do you know? Lots of
1: money. No, I have no clue I know it's a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like with the salves, many times you'll pay $85 for a little tin of salve, and you could make something that would would work just the same because you grow it yourself and you made it yourself. And um, and what, what we're seeing... Yeah, because what we're seeing here now too are, are masseuses are making some of their own their mixtures. Their lines are coming out with the CBD stuff in it. So so that's an important part of if you're going to be using it at home, how are you going to use it?
0: Now, you have, classes say, you, you, know. offer, you have classes that you offer on how to u- use these things in cooking and making that. Give us some information about your classes. Do you have any coming up?
1: Uh, Yes, I've I've been doing them on the first Monday of the month, and it's just a two-hour class, and these are overview classes where I condense down the information, a little bit about the history, a lot about the vocabulary, some of the stuff we've been talking about today, the vocabulary. We we talk about the legal issues. We talk about what you're allowed to do here, and if people come from different (laughs) cities or whatever, we easily show them where Mm -hmm. the resources are out exactly what they're allowed to do within the law. We talk about um, why somebody would want to use cannabis and what might be some of the issues around long-term use. When does it become abuse? When do, uh, you know, when, you know, if it's not working this way, what kind of changes you want to make, things like that. We talk about why. I also talk about what are the jobs that are coming up in the industry here In uh, California and uh, you know that's why I was saying something to you in terms of economic development is that as an industry into your state who is who is getting into the industry in a meaningful and uh, profitable way you know because here what's happened is uh, individuals can be get, would you like to hear a little bit about the job? Well, I'll tell you about the rest of my class, and I'll come back to job. Yes. And so yes. in my class, yes. I also, to, I also talk to people who are scared about how do I talk to teenagers? How do I talk to my doctor? How do I talk to my family? You know, what, what kind, how can we talk about this? And, and most people have those skills because, as I point out, you talk to your kids and everybody else about alcohol and sex
2: mm-hmm. and
1: religion mm-hmm. and other things. Mm -hmm. you know you need to talk about and uh so this is one of those things and and you've got to you know just what we tell kids all the time you know your brains are not developed (laughs) wait wait till they're developed and then do something to them you know and uh you know, don't don't try too much because right now so much is happening for you. And with a lot of young kids, too, we talk about ambition, what they want to be when they grow up. They want to be uh, mm-hmm. asked for dollars or um, whatever mm-hmm. and, and why they would want to stay away from all drugs that are being offered to our kids today, including those vaping pens. Oh, my gosh. Don't oh, even start yeah. on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, I, and then I talk about a little bit about the gardening and about the uh, recipe ideas, and then we talk about what we might see coming up in the future. Just like you were saying, do I see a time when a restaurant might have a pot, uh, or you might take a pot potluck to a potluck <laughs> dinner? So, okay, sorry. <laughs>
2: That's true. Okay. That's
1: true. Maybe there'd be a little pot <laughs> pesto on the. <laughs> you know, or you can have a, a you can have a, a shake with it, and they they even they infuse it into coffee. They infuse it into honey. It is you know easy and stuff like that. So let's let's go back and talk just a little bit about the jobs in the industry too, if you don't mind. Yes, and yes. Uh, once, yes I would yes. love that. Well, there, there's a lot of wonderful information online. Um, for people who are interested in, in getting into the industry and in some things. So uh, n- number one, the usual things that people make money at, being an accountant, being a security guard, being a public relations person, advertising, uh, lawyers, uh, so forth, all, all of these uh, companies, all of these individuals, these professionals, you know, are coming in and learning more about the industry so that they can be working in the industry because there's a lot of legal issues. There's a lot of accounting issues. There's a lot of public relations that goes on and packaging and manufacturing jobs that are happening, printing materials. Uh, Cultivation in, in California, the licensing and permits are about a dozen different ones. That includes cultivation, delivery services, manufacturing, retailing, testing, nurseries, plant nurseries, and um, um, uh, training and education. And then, of course, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for government regulators because this is one of the most regulated industries and uh you know, they're gonna to have to they're gonna go out and regulate all of this industry, they better be hiring some people who are gonna be the field workers who are gonna go out and do the checklist on those things. But you can see that this is uh, very deep and very wide. Now, you said they
0: can't keep the money in the bank. Where do they house the money that they're making if they're not allowed to keep it in the bank? They have to have, have a special warehouse or facility that's guarded. To, to uh, March, so that would be more people.
1: I do not yes. know that information. I I assume, like okay. you know, that, that some people have good ways of of uh, laundering money, or not maybe laundering money, but paying in cash on things. Maybe people have some other things that goes on, but uh, I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not at that level. I'm
0: thinking that would be a all. good business to have a special in the, uh, private bank that that you can. Facilitate to assist these people to have this money.
1: Place. I, I agree space. with a yeah. You know, I think okay. that that that's what's going to happen. And I think because it seems like it's a cash and carry industry or whatever um, that people have been talking about. How do you get away from the federal
2: uh, reserve bank yeah. on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But I think that people are afraid to do it because if you set up a bank and the feds decide they want to come in and take all that money away, then maybe they could. Wow. So if you set up okay. a state bank or if you set up a local city bank or something like that to, to uh, work with the industry. You know, and I think, too, I, I just want to say this. I think that most of the people who are in this industry, with the changes that have happened, they're trying they're trying their very best to be in business. They're trying their very best mm-hmm. to take care of people. They're trying their very best to take care of communities and stuff like that and uh, and and the regulations can be onerous about uh, what's happening, and the fear level can be high. And so it's important to say, you know there's nothing to be afraid of. let's open this up and let's make it happen in a thoughtful way. So getting people to think about it like we've done today about where did the history of this come from? What, what were we indoctrinated with and how do we change that thinking? You know, what, what uses are we finding out now for the plant that's there? What, how, how do we build a future that is economically helpful to those who have been hurt by the war on drugs and, uh, and so forth. And, uh, you know, how do we plan for a, a healthier future that recognizes natural cures for things is important.
0: Right, right. That is important. Okay, we're going to take another break, and we'll be back to finish discussing some more things about cannabis and the benefit it has for us and our bodies. Uh, my name is Marcia Thadison, and you're on the Be Our Network, and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. man You're back on the DOA Network. I'm your host, Marcia Patterson, and I have the pleasure of having Ms. Dulcie Sims here with the Cha-Cha Cooking Club and the Kansas educational classes that she has. Now, do, will you be offering classes online as a webinar class for people to be able to be a part of that or have you thought about it?
2: Okay.
1: I, I, I have to be honest with you, is that when I offered this class... I just started doing this Mm -hmm. this spring because of Mm -hmm. the laws that have changed, local things that are happening. Uh, And I did not know who would show up or who would be interested. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I said, but I'm just going to do what I can do and, and just see who shows up. And I have been genuinely a little overwhelmed with how responsive people have been, how much people want this information and to know about these resources and to learn about this in a safe environment where, uh, you know, I saw it right. at the parks and department, nobody gets high, nobody, you know, we're not, we're
2: talking about, <laughs>
1: talked about. And my, my goal has always been to, to teach people um, how to use this. And uh, there's so much online about it right now. I, I, just hadn't considered, is this where I belong? That's why I'm so grateful for you giving me this opportunity. This has been so educational for me to, to talk about it with uh, people who aren't involved in the industry so that the questions that you're asking me, the things that, that you're talking about that you're interested in, I'm just learning so much about people and, and or what people want to know about this, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I find it, it that I want to help people make a transition into using this, and I think that it's, it's going to be a, a fabulous thing to do. We just have to keep building it. We do. And so, yes, I would love to learn how to do that, and uh, that's why I'm hoping maybe one of these days you'll give me a webinar and how to do a webinar or whatever,
2: and, uh, and we'll just yeah. see where
1: it goes. If it will partner up again? I would love to Yes, and
2: and
0: I'll, I'll come, come out it because I wanna be uh, a blob well, folk. <laughs> and you know, as we was on with the break, I was reflecting about the cannabis oil helping the children who are having seizures and usually that's affecting their brain. And I remember years ago, Sixty Minutes did a documentary on a guy out of California. He was a producer. And his son had seizures. I can't remember what was causing the seizure, but the medication that they was giving the child put him almost in a vegetative state where his whole body was kind of curling up and bending over and he wasn't responding. So the father took his health and took the child's health in his own hand, start researching and find out that his son was missing the healthy fat for his brain because your brain is 60% fat. And mm-hmm. once he started changing the child's diet, giving them more fat, the bacon, the healthy fat, the child came around and responded back to normal. And I think these family was vegetarian, if I'm not mistaken. But then when they took him off the fat, he went back into that vegetative type of state again with the seizures. Our brain needs healthy fat. So I'm thinking this healthy fat from the oil is generating what our body already needs, but we've been saturated with so many processed food and hydrogen, you know, fats that's not healthy that our body and our brain is not responding. Mm-hmm. Because we need that healthy fat, you know, the cod liver or the coconut oil, the. Um, you know those oils are very, very healthy for us, yeah. and our we just parents have. to give us the
1: count. Yeah, we again? we
0: absolutely need a
1: healthy or diet as close to the natural food as it can possibly be. You know exactly. Okay, can can exactly. I share? Can I share something with you when I talk about nutrition with people? Uh, real simply here, I, I tell them to to look at their hand. Okay, so look at your hand and then mm-hmm. give, give yourself the give yourself the thumbs up, and the thumbs up means get your fiber up. get get plenty of fiber in your your index finger, number one, it, make sure you're eating things that are as close to their natural state as possible. an apple, not applesauce. applesauce not a pie, you know there.
2: and then the middle
1: finger uh, that's the one about portion control because darn it, we have to use portion control. And the ring finger has to do with pairing, because that's your ring finger. You have to pair it properly. You have to have carbohydrates right. and protein and natural fats. And then the pinky is to remind you just a little something sweet every now and then makes a big difference. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> do that every
0: day. Well, it's fiber, Give it people- correctly. Right. Give yeah. people information on how to reach you if they're interested, if they're out in California, because this is a blog talk radio, we're on, 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 on blog talk radio and iHeart radio. So people are going to be able to mm-hmm. listen to this all over and be able to reach you,
1: give them information if they're interested in reaching you. They can just go to the Um, You know, I have a, a, a website, and uh, they can send me a message through that. And as I get better with my website, I'll be able to put more information up there. Now I have all this information I've been researching, and I'm going to have to write a big blog about cannabis here. I can see that now. <laughs> and, you know, we I know. want, we want, more I your website. We want <laughs> to hear that. We want to know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm finding that out. I'm, I just didn't think anybody would be too interested in hearing from a. Uh, some, I, you know, I just—I'm mm. uh, glad. I'm glad to be doing this, and I'm, I'm hoping that if it can reach people and help people to just uh, understand what the industry is all about, to understand how friendly the plant is in your garden or in your home, and how much fun it is to grow and how much fun it is to put it into uh, it, put it into use or whatever.
0: Now. I have a question about growing it. Is it easy to grow? Is it one that has to, that that dies off in the winter, or is it one that's constantly rejuvenated itself? What about the planting itself? And how do you get seeds for marijuana?
2: Yeah,
0: you know, I'm I
1: don't know how, I don't know how you would go about doing that exactly to get seeds in Georgia to tell the truth. And I can't give anybody advice on that, but it seems like, um, There are um, places online that you can buy seeds. And and remember that marijuana plant is male and female, and you only want female. So my understanding is you can go online, and I don't know where to direct you on that. Here, if you're in California, you can go to a dispensary, and many of the dispensaries or the retail places um, are licensed to sell clones, so you can buy a baby clone. To, to grow. Um, and no, I, I know. I, I'm, just, just, I'm, I'm racking my brains about that one, Marsha. I, I don't know where to tell people to go and, and, and do that, but <clears throat> yes, you can grow from seed as long as you know that you're growing uh, only female. If you see a male plant growing, you've got to get that out of there or else it uh, will pollinate the female uh, plants and then you uh, won't have any uh, it it, um, it makes the plant just go to seed rather than flowering is the problem with it. So that's the best on that. But yes, you can grow outdoors. It has a it doesn't have a a, a real long. I assume in Georgia you've got enough farmers there who'd be able to figure out a little bit of nitrogen and and uh, the right chemicals to put into it. And and out here in California you could easily go to a um, a Um, A retail store, like there's in our area, there's a a retail um, store, chain of stores called Green Coast. And in Green Coast, you can go in and you can get all the information that you need on hydroponic growing or outdoor growing as well. So any nursery could tell you how to keep the plant alive and to keep it organic. I say if you can grow tomatoes, you can grow this plant. And if you uh, don't have a place outdoors to grow or you don't want to grow outdoors, uh, many places will sell the, the compartments that kind of look like a wardrobe uh, closet or something where you can create your own indoor environment to grow a couple plants indoor under lights. And then you can, uh, you know, have even more control about that. But it's, uh, it, it's pretty much an ag uh, product. And, and speaking of that, let's say something about hemp. That has been legalized federally through the most recent Farm Act that went into place, and hemp okay. um, is a type of cannabis. It's industrial. It's industrial hemp. It does not have the psycho properties. Of THC or CBDs. It doesn't have those medicinals, but it is a very valuable plant. And when I was looking at research, looking up some stuff about Georgia, uh, it seems as Mm -hmm. though your governor indeed signed into uh, law that people can cultivate hemp in Georgia. And I think all that they're taxing you is $50 per acre to get a license to grow hemp. Wow. And hemp, and many times hemp is what your um, your oils are coming from. That that has the fiber, the seeds. The seeds are very high protein, and um, and the oils that are extracted from that are used in a lot of cosmetics. Um, and also, right now we import from the Chinese because we had talked about the tariffs going in and so forth. But right now we import right. most of the bur bird seed that we put out um, and it has hemp seeds in it from China because we're not wow. allowed to grow hemp Canada has been, gr- been growing hemp in Canada for quite a while and uh, there was a very conservative congressman down in the Orange County area who was working towards uh, getting hemp legalized in California so that we could grow hemp well, we've got a great environment for growing that wonderful wonderful plant for all the fiber and the nutrients it puts back in the soil and and so forth. And uh, he was doing it because he had a cosmetic industry and he was literally having to ship the uh, hemp seeds that he needed for the oils for his cosmetics from Canada. Uh, And he wanted to cut that cost and just said, why can't I just grow this stuff locally? And people say, "Oh, because it's a drug." No, no, you'd have to, you know, smoke a telephone pole size joint to get a headache. From, (laughs) you know, hemp is the stuff that we used to grow uh, for uh, for all the army ropes and for um, canvas. uh, You know, for the canvases on the sailing ships and so forth, and Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm, mm paper. So uh, you know, I'm I'm so glad that we have uh, understood where where that's going now. And once again, we say, okay, well, where are the jobs in something like that? Well, if yeah. you're growing yeah. hemp, yeah, somebody have to extract the fiber, extract the oil, or extract the proteins from it. So where is that company? You know, is is Georgia going to be building up some companies with that? And uh, you know, right now you can buy hemp clothing. And, uh, and you can go to, well, here you could just go to the store and buy hemp oil that is just, it, it's not anything that's medicinal. It's just a good fat to use. Wow. So,
2: you know,
0: and, then, and then you have to be educated on how to extract those oils and extract those. And I think that you think some of the universities and schools will be bringing this teaching to the general public as an educational I um, tool? I
1: at the university, I met a woman from the University of Las Vegas at a little conference, and uh, that's what she teaches in the health and science department, And she teaches <clears throat> the, uh, uh, cannabis, and uh, I think just like now we have high schoolers who are learning how to take care of vineyard, vineyards for wine, that we will be teaching mm-hmm. people how to take uh, cultivation on, on cannabis. I mean, everybody here, I think, must be looking for teams of people to come in and help with uh, taking care of. uh, the, Just like they have teams that go out and take care of these huge vineyards all over here or um, bean fields that we're growing beans in or artichokes or Brussels sprouts or lettuce or whatever,
0: Mm -hmm. we're going to need
1: people to take care of large cultivations on these things.
0: Now do you think the um the um the border and how Trump is coming down on the immig- immigrants coming into the United States having a big part or making a big gap for those workers out there in california
1: absolutely absolutely that uh, that uh, what i mean that you can look up real easily about uh, crops and and uh, the shortage of having uh people who will do that. Harm work, Mm -hmm. you know.
2: And
1: here in this this part of California, we've had we, as I said before, this is a growing area that grows year round. And I know that uh, some of this crackdown on immigration and deportation laws have caused uh, manufacturers. uh, One person who worked at a cooling station literally had to call in workers who had been with them and loyal and hardworking people for over a decade and tell them they could no longer work there, you know? Wow. It, it's sad, you know, and, and when it's that close to home, you know, when you see what kind of uh, policies, it goes back to those policies, Marsha. we have to
0: yeah. be
1: vigilant. Right, Yeah. right, sure right. Right. we're doing is what's in our hearts. So this has certainly been an adventure for me to uh, to veer off of uh, baking biscuits and uh, chopping up salads and making sauces and side dishes and teaching uh, visitors to our country about side dishes for Thanksgiving and everything else. but I'm hoping that the message that I put out there to people is that there there's good solid scientific um, information. There's heartfelt stories about the recovery that people make because of this plant. There's economic advantages that local communities should be paying attention to and taking taking ownership of as this industry grows across our uh, country, as well as, as it grows internationally, that we uh, need to find ways of, of accepting natural ways of taking care of ourselves, and that, you know, every child deserves to, you know, have that lifestyle, have that wellness in their life and so forth, particularly those children who suffer with seizures and epilepsies and uh, cerebral palsy, you know, elderly people as uh, we're going into our last phases of our lifetime, oh, for goodness sakes, so it just makes me crazy that... Uh, You know that they can't be helped by this, by uh, you know, cancer patients. Now, out about this is that you know this may actually, as you say, prevent cancer and destroy cancer. It's it's important to read up and understand because other countries have been doing the research, other countries have been doing it, and uh, you know that's been in in some of the. a CNN uh, specials on this where they went to Israel where a great deal of research is. And uh, what really touched me in that where they interviewed one of the 10,000 senior citizens living in homes, you know, uh, um, care homes and uh, nursing homes there <clears throat> who have been given prescriptions and access to smoking or however they wish to use marijuana. And they had this one older man who is a Holocaust survivor who had lost his wife recently and was starting to have very, very bad memories about what was going on. And he wheels himself hes in a wheelchair, and they follow him with the cameras. and he wheels himself into his room, and he pulls out a little corn cob pipe, bless his heart, packs it with some uh, cannabis and smokes it. And they said, oh, you know, how does that make you feel? And he looks at him and he says, it takes me out of the dark places. And I just go, wow. you know, why why wouldn't we want to let people do that, come out of those dark places, whether it's caused by, you know, memories from a long life, well-lived and hard-lived, or from PTSD, or from uh, trauma that people are experiencing, that I think it will bring a great deal of serenity and peace in, in our world in, in ways we don't even know about yet. But I'm counting on the happening. Yeah, and
0: Thank I you so much. I put, I put, no problem, but I truly believe I support uh, that over hospice because, to me, with the hospice hospital, they, they morphine, they pump you up with all those drugs so you become a vegetative state um, that you're in either in a coma or you can't even talk to no one just to ease you up out of here. Um, I think, yeah. you know, to have people with, to, use, to be able to use this as an option as opposed to all these drugs that they're using and putting into these people's body, that
1: has other side effects
0: that's even worse than the cancer and yeah. other things itself.
1: Well, I think that out here on the west coast, from Washington down uh, down through California, here we're seeing the the. Uh, I think one of the fastest growing populations of people who are taking advantage of the adult youth are older people, us baby boomers, who, you know, we're not working a job, we're not taking care of raising kids. And why not enjoy a peaceful night's sleep or or a funny afternoon laughing about uh, what happened in the past? Fun stuff. Wow. Yeah, that is good. That is good. All right, we're
0: going to take one more break, and then we'll be back with a conclusion to our show. I just want to thank you so much for being on here because, well, I'm learning something, and I want my audience to know something because power, information is powerful. And my company tagline is putting the power of good health back into the hands of the people. It's in turn what we put in our hands, we also put it within ourselves. But we want to educate ourselves as well as our children and our grandchildren on how to take care of themselves and be educated on what's out there. And I know I'm guilty because, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, they said, didn't touch it, it'll do this to you, it'll do that. I, I, I put my hands up, that I ain't touching that. I don't want to be drawn to harder drugs or everything else because I'm smoking marijuana. But um, I'm learning, and I have learned, and my cousin and other people have given me testimony of what has happened. I've seen them from my eyes on what different it made to the children as well as people with cancer. So we want to learn and be able to take that knowledge and share with others. So I thank you for sharing that, and we'll be right back on the D-Hour
2: Network for your health care.
0: You're back on the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddeuson. I just want to welcome you back. Uh, Darcy, I just want to say thank you so much for being on our show. You've given us great information. Again, give people the website on where they can sign up for the chop Chow class or those out in California or they're planning to be there to, to take one of your cannabis class on how to cook with it.
1: All right, well, you can find out information about me and about upcoming events with the cha-cha-cooking club.com. And, and we're, on, we're and on Facebook, too, and so it's pretty easy to follow us, and uh, and we'll see how the whole program on cannabis continues to develop and evolve. Well, I'm going to stay
0: connected with you because we. I want to do some things with you, so I will be calling you again, and we can chit-chat because... I am signing up for one of them classes. I want to be there, and I want to learn how to do that because I truly believe food is our medicine, and I'd rather eat my way to good health than take a day. I just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. I'm truly grateful to having you on the show. I hope the people find your information powerful and they can share this information with their families and friends for better health. And that's what our mission is, to put the power of good health back into the hands of the people because that's where it belongs, okay? So any last more words to our show,
1: our audience? Thank you so much, Dan, and I do look forward to where we're going to go in the future. It <laughs> will <That'll> be fun.
0: <laughs> yes, it will be, because I know we have to do this and give people this information and knowledge so they can do better in taking care of themselves and their loved ones. So I want to wish everyone a blessed week, make it safe, and thank you so much for being on that show. You are so blessed. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed week, everyone, and be safe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you.